Have you ever been told that you need to be willing to say no more often and then give reasons why you should be willing to say no in a professional setting? You'll hear that today on the Unity Talks podcast. Welcome to Unity Talks, where the hiring experts of Dallas-based recruiting firm Unity Search engage in lively discussion with successful business leaders to dissect their careers and how they got to where they are today, the obstacles overcome to reach their success, and steps they've taken to stay at the top of their respective fields. So listen in as we provide you with the thought-provoking conversation and ideas that keep industries moving forward. And welcome back to another edition of the Unity Talks podcast, where we meet with business leaders all across DFW talking about how they got to that position in their career, what keeps them there, and how they keep learning. Today's episode, we are joined with our guest, Jennifer Eigner. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Hello, David. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> We're excited you're here. So Jennifer is the Director of Revenue Operations and Accounting for Sonder. Mm-hmm. And as we always kick it off, you got to give like the commercial on Sonder. Give them some free advertising here. All right. Well, Sonder is a is a new hospitality company. It's been around since 2014, and we're revolutionizing the industry right now. So it started off as a small company that we sublet um, apartments. Now we are leasing entire apartment buildings, taking over resorts and hotels that really cater to. The millennial generation, um, where you can have your own apartments and come and go as you please and and really in urban areas, Um, so you have that home feel as you're traveling versus the standard traditional hotels. So super, like, so how did this fare during the pandemic, right? Because it's kind of a hoteling type situation, Mm -hmm. so things go well, how did y'all make it through? Actually, Sonder fared very well. Because of the apartment style, it took on travelers for long-term leasing. So we had people coming in that would stay for 30 plus days because oh, it's nice. apartment. They're fully furnished, laundry, and but you get the um, concierge with the amenities of you still get your house cleaning. You still have people delivering food to you. Um, so it's the apartment style living and that's Pretty much what started the digital nomad that we know today, working from everywhere. is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. International? Yep. And we're headquartered in? We are headquartered in uh, San Francisco, but we're international. We're about 10 countries. Okay. Okay. Are y'all remote? We are 100% remote. We implemented WorkChoice in January, so we can work from anywhere. You can do hybrid in the office or travel the world and work from one of our locations in Portugal, Spain, wherever you want to be. Yep. And you you office here? And I office here in home. Dallas at home. At home with two kids, two kids. in the summer with tr- with a husband that travels because he's a consultant. Yep. Fun. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get to that maybe a little bit more a little bit later. But we always start with kind of a history yep. on, you know, introducing our audience to our guests. So... I'm gonna I'm gonna give a very brief rough sketch here, and you're gonna fill in a lot of blanks here. So, okay. you're a SoCal girl. I'm a SoCal right? girl. I, I was told not to use. I'm from the OC, David. No, it's not the OC, and it's not Cali either. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, not Cali. It's not Cali. Let me let me mark that off yeah, my people card. People like to call it here. Cali. It's not. Yeah. That's how you know you're not a native Californian. Okay. Oh, so I've heard the same about San Francisco. You're mm-hmm. supposed to say San Francisco. Not San Fran. Not San Fran or not Cisco. Yeah, they do not like that. It's the city or San Francisco. Yes. All right. So, SoCal. Is that good? That's That's okay. That's good. Okay. All right. Good. I passed. Yeah. Test number one. All right. So, we're going to. So, when you were younger, you had a dream to do something completely Mm -hmm. different than accounting. Yes. And at 17 years old, that dream was killed. Tell Mm -hmm. us what did you want to do and why was that dream killed? I always wanted to be a physical therapist. I wanted to go into sports medicine, and I wanted to work for with pro athletes. 
the time, it was with the Denver Broncos. I must have had a, a love for the Broncos at the time. And then from there, as I got older, I wanted to actually open my own swim school because I was a competitive swimmer growing up. You were the Katie Ledecky before Katie Le- Ledecky, yeah, right? right? I of was. Course. I was. Just yeah. was successful and <laughs> yeah. um, decorated. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so what killed it? Well, I mean, you wanted to work with professional teams. Mm-hmm. You wanted to work with John Elway and the Denver Broncos. And then that goes away. And all of a sudden, you're an accountant. Yeah. So, yeah, all of a sudden. So, well, in high school, there's an ROP program that I could have worked with the physical therapist that went to all the different high schools within um within the community I grew up in. And so I was got into the ROP program. I went into the office. They had me do, they wanted me to do, um, oh my gosh, um, ultrasounds on athletes, okay. right? Okay. I'm like, do what? Like no training, no, this is how you do it. And so I'm like, I. it was a horrible experience for me. And then looking into college classes, then learning that I had to take gross anatomy and work on cadavers. <laughs> yeah, that killed it for me. I'm like, no, I'm not working on dead bodies. <laughs> I might have been okay with that. <laughs> no. I gotta ask though, what does ROP mean? Oh my, it's that art. That's the. Oh my, now I don't even remember. But the occupational for okay. the pro, okay. occupation, while you're in occupation high school, for, yes. you get to okay. And you get gotcha. the credits, and then you move on to college. Gotcha. And, yeah, totally gotcha. So, and the irony of all this is, I went to when I went to graduate undergraduate school. It was one of the best sports medicine programs in in the oh, Midwest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In the well, that's where I was going to go next, mm-hmm. right? So you're from Southern California and end up at Central Michigan. Yes. Like, how does Southern? Like, I don't even know how that works. It doesn't. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I was applying to colleges, and my dad had gotten a had received his MBA from Central Michigan, and he had never been there. He was um, remote in the Air Force. Oh wow. And okay. he's like, so if you if I go there, I get in state tuition. And so he's like, you're going there. Yeah, no choice. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Say goodbye to Boulder right. and say hello to Central Michigan in so the you, middle of nowhere. So you wipe the tears away mm-hmm. and you end up in Central Michigan. Yeah, no, I was I was still crying when I was there for two okay. weeks. <laughs> okay. okay, I love the vulnerability there. Uh, that's great. So there goes being a physical therapist. Mm-hmm. Like, that's out the window. i got to figure out what I want to do. And you you end up getting an education. You're in accounting and finance now. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, if we fast forward your career, we don't want to necessarily go all the way to the end yet. The majority of your career has been in revenue, specifically. Mm-hmm. Like, you are a revenue expert, whether mm-hmm. it was in healthcare, telecom. You know, now you're in a hospitality-type uh, role. Yep. It's It's been focused on revenue. The thing that's unique about your career, or we'll probably spend a lot of time here, is uh, you don't you didn't go the traditional accountant path from an education standpoint, or even from the beginning of your career starting in Big Four public accounting. It was that by design. Was that your intention? Did it just manifest itself that way? So I actually went to school for finance and eventually went on to get my MBA. And my goal was to be international investment banker. Um, so I loved investments. I wanted to go international. And so, but by the time I got into my career, it started off in the telecom industry, um, in the wireless industry, and started off actually in the revenue assurance, which is more on the technical side. And it just skyrocketed Took from off. there and you know went through all the facets of the revenue accounting side of the house. Yeah, it's really, you actually just bring up a point there um, almost inadvertently a little bit, which is uh, not necessarily where we're going, but I want to pause on it for a uh-huh. second. You know, when you start your career, when you're a high performer and you're moving quickly, it becomes really challenging to all of a sudden change career directions and go, mm-hmm. you know what, I want to go this other career path because by then your salaries have increased, mm-hmm. your responsibilities have increased, and you realize if you completely change career paths, there's kind of a little bit of a reset and a learning curve button. 
Is that something that you processed through when you were thinking about, oh, this isn't really investment banking, but I'm going to stick this out because it's going well? Yeah, it's just more of like, I think after college, kind of what I got into. So I just went to the path. I think it was more of when it came to interviewing. I was interviewing at banks when I was still living in Michigan, um, but it ended up going the accounting route, um, which is to your point is interesting because I did not go the CPA route. I went the MBA route and I ended up in the accounting um, way instead of the finance way. So you yeah. think I would have gone to the FP&A or the financial side of the exactly. house, which never have been in that side yeah. of the corporate world. Yeah. Okay. So then that poses another challenge. So now you are going this accounting path. Mm-hmm. You're smart. You did great in school. You're working your way up quickly. The jobs you're going after, you're going after it with people who have a CPA. And not that there's anything wrong. Like, you can get a CPA and an MBA. You can mm-hmm. get all that stuff. Like, all that's great. But you chose, I'm going to get an MBA. I am accounting path. I know I'm going to go against CPAs mm-hmm. to get this job. Like, why Why not go back to school to get accounting hours for a CPA? Just didn't want to. And, and did you know you were going down that path where it's a very competitive mm-hmm. career path? Yeah, so I, I never, the thought of going back for my CPA never crossed my mind. It's not where I wanted to go. I got my MBA. I'm done with school. And um, I think when I, going out on the interviews and the experience that I had as I'm growing, I would get, to your point, I was up against CPAs, but I knew me. I knew the hard worker. I knew my um, knowledge and my experience. So I was an advocate for myself and I had to sell myself. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, once you get past the paper part, you know, you, to, get that, to get that interview, you have to get through the paper part. But once you're in person and you're in that interview, it, you have the 100% um, responsibility yourself and that opportunity to sell yourself and prove that you are just as worthy, if not more worthy, than possibly the other candidates that do have CPAs and are coming out of big four. You know, I talked about you You hit on something there, um, and we're going to pause on this for a while, maybe the rest of the time, because I think it's important mm-hmm. for people to hear, because not everybody's going to get a CPA. Um, and yet some of them are just as qualified, if not more qualified mm-hmm. than those who don't. Um, and again, if you have one, it's not nothing wrong with that either. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not, we're not disparaging anybody that has one. Um, but one of the things that you said is I, I'm not going to go back to school. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I was done with that. I've moved on with my life, right? We all, we get married, we start having kids, we start having a family. How do we fit that in with everything else we have going on? And, um, and you said, I knew I needed to sell myself. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I say that to people who go to interviews all the time. That's part of my interview prep. It's like, you're an accountant. You are about to go on a sales job. Mm-hmm. And you are going to sell the thing you know better than anybody else, which is yourself. And I truly believe that's what matters when you go. You're not... You're not a used car salesman. You know, you're not going to lie and make things up, but you truly have to put on that persona of a salesperson. And that's what you're saying. Yeah, you have to. I mean, you just have to prove to everyone that you know what you're talking about. And they're interviewing you because you are the person that knows it. The person interviewing is not the expert. That's why they're hiring you. Mm -hmm. So you just have to let them know what your skills and capabilities are and prove to them, you know, just because you don't have a CPA, I'm just as educated with an MBA. Um, And whether it's a finance or accounting degree, in my case, it was a finance degree, that you can do it with your experience. Because the education was, what, four years, six years if you have that MBA? The experience, you learn so much more on the job, and you're still educating yourself. You know, with revenue accounting, through the years, things have changed. As we went from hardware, software, to get some people some revenue accounting experience, to the SaaS environment, and then implementing the different guidance. I did that. 
Everyone is capable of reading the guidance and implementing and learning just as much as the person that had received their CPA 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So we're all in the same boat. So knowing that that is so competitive and and you're going after these same jobs Mm -hmm. as them. I mean, I'm sitting here going, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm like, yeah, I probably told Jennifer before that (laughs) "Mm, they're probably not going to look at you because you don't have a CPA. Like, I know I've been in that chair because we're advocating for our client at the time. Like, we got to find someone with this. There's no flexibility. How do you on your end when you know that that's a competitive environment, how do you advocate for yourself? How do you position yourself in an interview? So, well, one, to get the interview, knowing your resume. So let's let's start with the resume. Knowing how much you know the knowledge you have, put that on the resume. Put your successes, put your accomplishments that that are just as good as the person with the CPA. You're gonna do the same accomplishments, right? Mm -hmm. Prove to you that you're capable of doing it. And you might have to do that one step extra to put those quote unquote buzzwords out there, that you know what you're talking about to be able to even get that resume in front of the person to get that interview. Um, but then once you're there, be authentic, be who you are. Um, the interviewer is going to know if you're lying, right? doesn't matter. You just, you know, just be able to express and communicate what you know and why you deserve the job. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of, exa- you know, using examples, using like detailed content, like this is the situation I face. That sounds like it's similar to what you're asking me. Mm-hmm. And so here's the drawn out example. And that's the best you can do. Like, Let's take the fact that we're going against someone with a CPA or non, like none of that matters. Mm-hmm. At that point in time, you're you're just competing with the best version of yourself, yeah. right? Exactly. I mean, yeah. You definitely need the job that you're interviewing. Obviously, if you go into your career like I've done, going into leadership, they're looking at different qualities, right? I'm no longer trying to justify or explain that I know the accounting or you know all the different revenue recognition rules. Now it's more into your leadership skills. But those that are really starting out in their career, and if you're coming out with a finance degree or an MBA, really just talk about how you know those skills. You understand those T accounts, right? Or the revenue account or whatever it may be that you're going after, that you understand the basics just as much as the CPA if you're going up against those with, with those qualifications or the preferred or required, as they like to say. Yes, required. Mm-hmm. That's that's definitely a word. So. So young in your career, you've got to leverage the education, really immerse yourself into the job and keep learning. The other thing that you told me from a revenue function specifically Mm -hmm. is you have view of the entire organization and the entire operations, and you almost have a, almost like a predictability path of where the company is going. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about the view that revenue gives you. It really gives you the whole view of an organization because with revenue accounting, you have to understand technical revenue. So you have to read and review the contracts, work closely with legal and sales to make sure that legal sales and financial are all aligned. And then with the operational side, you have to implement what those agreements say. So you have to work with everyone across the organization, developers, engineers, um, who else? Um, trying to think of like FPNA mm-hmm. um, to make sure they're um, set up correctly in the system and flowing through all your systems because you know in today's world we're going through multiple systems to get to the accounting software, and so you have to understand the ins and outs of the organization so you begin to understand and speak IT, FPNA, accounting, sales. You just you really be able to build those relationships and collaborate because um, from you got to know got to know the contracts but then if you're on the operational side it's more of what people refer to as back office mm-hmm. or billing accounts receivable so you're the you are responsible for the collections so you need to know how does it flow through the system in order to collect on the money and was it correct um so you really get the 
you know, the bird's eye view of everything. And it really expands your business acumen and how organizations run. It gets you outside of just the accounting world and be able to think broadly and understand when you implement something, how is it going to impact your colleague or another stakeholder? You don't just think about your, yourself and your own department. Yep. You really think organizationally, long-term goals. Yeah, I feel like like when I listen to you talk, you can, uh, in some accounting roles and even finance roles, you can kind of operate in a silo. Mm -hmm. You know, you can put blinders on, heads down, and you're just behind your desk. But just listening to you talk, you realize um, you can't do that in a revenue no. role. You no. really have to pick your head up, see the bigger picture. So I want to apply that practically into your career because early on in your career, you started out heavy telecom. I started out mm -hmm. tele heavy telecom as well. Um, and telecom isn't what it once was. No. <laughs> right? I mean, there were all, I mean, a lot of telecom, it's, it's just, it's all wireless. It's all converged. We have, you know, three or four major players yep. now. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Um, you were in revenue then. How did the big picture view in telecom, not just for your company, but for the industry, did that cause you to make shifts in your career outside of telecom? Because here we are, we're both former telecom people. Mm -hmm. I'm no longer there. I'm doing something totally different. <laughs> You're doing something that's relatively different in terms of industry, but the same mm -hmm. field of revenue. So how did, how did telecom industry path and having revenue uh, cause you to shift if it did? Well, for me, with under when I was working the um, telecom industry, I was working more on revenue assurance. So I do I was testing the networks, but I was testing it to make sure they're running through the billing system correctly, or actually from the network all the way through. Okay. But that also brought me brought gave me the experience of the operational side of the house as it came through the billing system. And so when I was, I was in the industry for about four to five years, and there I'm like, wait, I've been here for so long. I actually need to broaden it. I don't want to pigeon my pigeonhole myself in this industry. I need to broaden it to make sure I'm still you know, enhancing my accounting experience, my accounting knowledge. So at that point, um, that's when I wanted to expand and grow my experience to continue with the revenue side and the operational side of the house. Gotcha. And then that's when I jumped to a software industry, gotcha. ticketing and software. Gotcha. So that way I could still continue with the operations, that operational side of the house, and then still expand on the accounting side. Yeah. So, so really I had the best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah. Well, because it's allowing... So if I tie a lot of what you've just said all into one thing, it's like you got to use the education at the mm -hmm. beginning of your career to get the job. Mm -hmm. You got to sell yourself, right? Um, then when you're in the job, pick your head up, look across the organization and continue to learn because revenue is changing. So, I mean, I remember... Way back in the day, it was SOP 97.2 and, you know, software Why revenue. Us, yeah, I know. I know. I shouldn't have said that. And now it's, you know, like, everything's, everything's from a SaaS model and it's yep. getting that monthly recurring revenue and comparing it to the contract. Yeah. So it's advanced so fast. You've seen a ton. Mm -hmm. So when you are interviewing people now, when they're, let's just take two stages. Number one, they're new, two years, three years of mm -hmm. experience. What are you looking for there and then they're eight, nine years of experience and they're climbing. They want to be in leadership. You know, it's two different groups. What are the differences that you're looking for when you're sitting across the table from them? You know, those that are newer in their career, I'm just looking at, you know, their analytical skills or detailed skills and, and figuring out how to problem solve, if you will, and thinking the bigger scope. So, you know, just asking them, you know, obviously those behavioral questions and, you know, what in certain situations, how would you handle this? If you failed, what would you do? How would you communicate that? Really building them up that it's beyond just their accounting skill set, but how do you communicate with your peers um, and be able to resolve some current issues as you're growing? Those that are further along that want to move up in leadership, it's more of what are what's their leadership skills? How are they going to develop 
their employees? What are they going to take from what they've learned to really get into strategic questions versus the tactical situations um, and be able to grow a department and work collaboratively with other stakeholders um, to you know, have everyone understand the department and the inner workings of it. So really honing in on how they develop yep. their in, their team as well as themselves. Because your your assumption is, I mean, you're fact checking, right? They know the content, mm-hmm. they know the technical exactly. skills. So you got to check that to make sure, but you're more interested in how are they going to make people beneath them be Correct. able to continue to Yeah, because that's, that's what, eventually when you need leadership, you're getting out of the details of accounting, right? Those mm-hmm. are just coming in. You want to understand, you know how to do a balance sheet reconciliation. Mm-hmm. What goes into that? Give me an, ex, you know, give me an example of how you would do one, right? That's more yeah. in the tactical side of doing the day-to-day work. Um, but yeah, the leadership really, how are you developing your team and what are you doing as a leader to make them shine, not make you shine? Because that's what it's about. How did, so when you're going into an interview for you, so now you're a leader, you're looking at another opportunity, let's flip the table. What are you looking for from the interviewer if you're the interview? Because you want to ask them questions, mm-hmm. right? That shows, hey, I'm interested. I'm fact-finding on my own. Yep. You're checking me out. I'm checking you Correct. out. This isn't, you know, it's not like we're going to go get married right now. We're still dating. Mm-hmm. We're checking each other. If we flip those tables, being a leader, what are you looking for? So for me, coming into an organization, and I'm looking, asking for transparency. Where's the growth of the organization? What's the stability of the organization? What issues am I walking into that I have to take care of that I either have to fix or what great um, situations are occurring that I have to continue developing, continue molding and growing? Um, also looking at, you know, what is the, the culture of the organization? What do you want from me as a leader? Are you going to give me, you know, autonomy, um, support? What, what, how are you going to let me run this organization to make it best, the the best it can be? Yeah. Um, so kind of flipping, let's see, you know, yeah. honesty that one. Provides. Yeah, this is so interesting. So this is so cool. So I'm going to, I'm going to go back again. I feel like I'm jumping all over the place, but this is really interesting. So what do you get asked then by a person with two or three years of experience? Cause this is so different, right? Mm-hmm. The approaches to interviewing, uh, a leader interviewing for a job and what they're looking for is wildly different from a three-year person and the type of questions. So what type of questions do you get from a three-year person? Uh, you know, it's a, I usually get, you know, did I answer your questions correctly? Right? Because okay. they're, okay. they're, they're not yeah. experienced, right? That's cute. But yeah. also asking what type of leader am I? How do I manage my team? Um, so they can obviously get an insight into you as a person. Because it's also, you're not here to prove yourself from a skill perspective, but is it a culture fit? Are you going to work well together? So, you, sh- you know, and it should be a two-way question, right? Um, but someone coming in really wants to understand, you know, how are you going to manage me? What, yeah. what does it look like? What are my expectations? Mm-hmm. What are my objectives that I need to hit mm-hmm. on a weekly, monthly, whatever basis mm-hmm. that is? Yeah. And usually I'm like forthcoming, so I already have that on the table for they even have to ask Yo, yeah, questions. Yeah, I was about to say, knowing <laughs> right? you, you're like, all right, here's, yeah. you know. This is what you need to do. Yeah. You know, here's Slide, your test. Yeah. No, just kidding. <laughs> Slide it across the table like, you yeah. got to achieve all this. Right. Now, yeah. Yeah. That's definitely yeah. the way you would operate for sure. <laughs> um, I think that's a good thing because you're super transparent about things. Yep. So um, I, I want to take a slight turn because, you know, we, we know our audience is people who are climbing in their career. They're 25 yeah. to 35 year olds and they're climbing or they're other leaders. And I, I've got to believe there are people out there. So you are a wife, mm-hmm. mom of two kids who both are in competitive sports, mm-hmm. right? Um, and your husband travels 
90% of the time. 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all the time. Yeah. With COVID, it's kind of, after COVID, it calmed yeah. down. But yeah, usually yeah. it's on the road, Monday through yeah. Friday. Yeah. With COVID, it was probably one of those situations where it's like, I wish you were traveling again. Yeah, it was. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is so much better. Like you're messing up my routine. You're, really? You know? And then you're like, now you're tra- now you're at home. Like, how am I going to get my free vacation? I was relying <laughs> yeah. on all those points. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so you you've worked your way into your career, mm-hmm. and and it's been tough because you've had to advocate for yourself, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't have a CPA in your accounting yep. world, and we talked a little bit about that. And now you've got heavy responsibilities. You work from home now, 100% of the time. It's in the summer. Both your kids are home. Mm-hmm. You're probably trying to get them out to as many camps as you can. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like, but I have so, to drive them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so how, how, what is the secret sauce if there is one? Like, is it time management? Is it focus? Like, how do you manage all those moving parts? All the above. Time management, calendar. You know, accountants, they live by calendars and deadlines, right? So, you know, I was listening to another podcast that you had, and they're all about their checklist. Like, cross the list off, right? Well, this one's more like, here's my calendar. Like, cross the time off, you know, and really working on that calendar and blocking the time off. You really need to block the time off for your work and your, you know, work life and personal life. And so just being able to balance that and then knowing where you can achieve, you know, the certain deadlines and knowing your priorities. I'm able to shift. If I know something for work is due tomorrow, I know I need to focus on that versus something that's due next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then then just shifting that and having that work-life balance and knowing that it, it can get done. Um, I also, with um, with my husband traveling, we've moved a lot with his job. So mm-hmm. I don't have a support system like a lot of people mm-hmm. do. I have no family mm-hmm. around here. So it's all me. Mm-hmm. And um, as we talked, in my personal life, I don't ask for help. Yeah. So I just put all the burden on me where my business, my work life is completely different. Um, but you, you can get it done. It's possible. Whatever you want to do, you can get it done. Um, whether you are happy being, you know, a, a senior accountant versus all the way up to an executive. Um, you just make it work. Yeah. You know, a year, a little over a year ago, um, Christina Bailey was sitting with me across the table here. And she's the CFO at MTX Group. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about being... A working mom and females in leadership, and and we spent a lot of time speaking on that. Um, and you know, one of the things that she said is, when I was initially uh, a CFO or mm-hmm. a leader, I didn't have a lot of confidence, be, confidence in myself because I felt like, man, do I belong at this table? Like in this group? Like, are they going to give me the credit that I've earned it? And she said it took her a while, and she just grew with confidence, realizing mm-hmm. that she she did belong, and she became more assertive and. You know, she's on her third, what I would call CFO job Mm -hmm. um, at her third different company. Um, Does any of that resonate with you in terms of just building the confidence and and knowing who you are as a leader and as a person and what your intentions are? Yeah, I think, you know, the confidence, you know, every, doesn't matter man, woman, you all deserve to be there. If you have their credentials and you have the confidence and the drive to, to do the job, you have a right to be there. Um, I think for me, as I was growing into my career, I think more of as a confidence wasn't more so do I do I think I belong? It's more of, oh my gosh, can I do it? Like, it's the change. Everyone fears That's change, really good. right? Um, but of course you can do it. Just put it out there. Um, but I think also, too, as you grow in your career, everyone needs to realize you need to ask for help. I tell my team members all the time, and it took me a while to understand this and learn it for myself, is the the one word that gives you the most control and just so freeing is no. Stop being a yes person. Say no and tell people why you can't do this or tell people that you don't understand. When you get into leadership, you build your network. 
you get with people that know the answer because we don't have it all. I don't know all the engineering answers. Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, some days I forget my basic T accounts, right? So I ask, you know, my team members, okay, what's the debit, what's the credit, right? Mm -hmm. But definitely building that peer organization, the peer network. Um, and then also with females in the workplace, build your network, support one another, build each other up and support one's dream and desire for the career path because our career path is different. You don't have the same career path as someone else. Yeah. So help them achieve that. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. I, two things. Number one is saying no. I, I'm, I feel so like, empowering. man, I'm hearing that more and more <laughs> yeah. nowadays. Be willing to say no. Mm -hmm. um, quit just chanking on more responsibilities. Yeah, know like, your limits. Limit yourself and be great at those things, mm -hmm. you know, because yeah. you can't be great at all 500 things and Right. other people's priorities. Yeah. And, and, so, and the more you take on more work, people are going to expect it of you. And that is just not good in the corporate world either. Like you just don't put, give, you know, one employee more work because you know, you're going to get it done. That's not fair um, either. But yeah, just in, say no. But I always tell my um, team say no, but why? Hey, I can't do it today. I can get it to you next week. Does that work for you? Because oh I gosh. tell everyone, everyone has competing priorities. Your priority is not the next person's priority and vice versa. And be very clear and concise in your communication. Yeah, that, yeah, I know at the end of this, because I really wanted to touch on females in the workplace, mm -hmm. because I think that's really important to do. I mean, you know, I've got a wife, I've got two girls, you know, so I'm like, yes, we need to focus on females in the workplace. But what you just said is no, and then tell why, mm -hmm. like that is across the board. That's gold right there yeah. to make sure, like, don't just say no, and then turn around and walk off, but here's why, or have them prioritize. Okay, if I do that, mm -hmm. realize these are my other responsibilities. Can you help me prioritize what's most important mm -hmm. then and have your leader prioritize? Yeah, and, and I tell myself that to me to me all the time. If you feel that you can't get something done, come to me. I will prioritize. I will tell, uh, you know, even executive leadership that we can't get this done and this is why. That's okay because, you know, businesses are working at a thousand miles an hour, especially in this work environment today being, you know, we're international. You can work in so many different time zones and every gadget that we have in front of us, you know, it's at, you know, the tip of your fingers that uh, things can get done. So you just have to understand it and also shut it down. Yes. Right. It's a <laughs> Learn blessing to and shut curse. it down. Mm -hmm. Here's what I'm going to ask you then as this is my final question for you, because we're at the end of this. It goes by fast. Yes, it does. <laughs> so my final question for you is, um, how do you shut it down? Because You've got kids by yourself at night when your husband's on a trip and they've got their things and then you've got work demands. Is it a, you know, I put the phone in another room? Like, what is your, like, I'm done for the night. I can pick it up tomorrow. For me, you know, based, because one thing with being working remotely, your hours are all different now. Working, inter, you know, international um, companies, know your time limits, know your work schedule, whether That's you good. know during, with accounting, we always know month end, we have to work longer hours and just shut it down. We are all working from home. It's hard to get away from it. I turn that computer off and I don't touch it till the next morning. Um, but you also have to know yourself and know your limits. And I'm just like, I'm done. And I always tell my team, you know, mental health is so important. Get it, you know, we're not carrying cancer. We're not conducting brain surgery right now. The work will be there tomorrow. It's okay. Take the time for yourself. So I shut it down about 5, 30, 6 o'clock every night. I need to get better at that. <laughs> it took a long time for me to learn that, yeah. let me tell you. That's that's really good. I'm definitely not letting my wife listen to this podcast. No, <laughs> I really need to. I'm, I need to get better at that. So yeah. thank you so much, thank Jennifer, you. for joining us today. It of course, was great. It was great. Have, yeah, I loved it. I was having you here. You always bring so much energy and passion to everything that you do. So we really appreciate you being on today. Mm -hmm. 
And for our listeners, thank you so much once again for joining us. And we will be back in two weeks with another edition of the Unity Talks podcast. If you're looking for the next step in your career or the missing piece for your team, Unity Search has you covered. Whether it's finance and accounting, tax services, information technology, or human resources, Unity Search is here for you with experienced and dedicated hiring professionals. Reach out today and take the next step. Unity Search, placing you first.